team. They're doing an amazing job. You know, as, as they continue to rehearse, as they continue just to get ready to usher in the presence and get you guys prepared for the word of God, let me remind you that the true worship lead in your life is you. It's you. Only you can enter into that alone with God whenever you want. We're just creating an atmosphere. That's all we're doing. Have you ever been to a sporting event? And, then, and when you're at that sporting event, it's like, yeah, I want to wear whatever I want to wear. Every, this is the atmosphere just changes. And the moment you leave, the atmosphere just kind of dies out, and you're back to wherever you're at. I mean, we're hoping that when you guys walk in here, you just sense that we're ready and we're on fire for God. And we want to continue that as we go out there. So, again, I just thank the worship team for what they do and how much they give in their time and in their talent just to simply set an atmosphere for us. All right. I got one announcement and it's a cool one because i'm gonna i'm gonna label it cool are you guys ready for 21 days of prayer and fasting i got half of you guys <laughs> i've labeled it you know the bible tells us that the that the spirit is willing but the flesh is weak you know and this is those times where we're really feeling that right now because when i say fasting our stomachs start grumbling like for it's like on on q watch fasting or is it just my stomach? <laughs> no, last week I had a teaching on it. Um, again, if you want to go back to rlchowland.com, go to last week's teaching, you'll catch the first half. I talked about uh, prayer and fasting and the benefits of it um, really briefly. Actually, I gave you guys, a, what do we call it, twofer? You know, a two-for-one message, and we talked about obedience as well, too. But in that first part of it, I talked about what fasting was about. I recommended a couple of books. Um, my wife actually recommends a book right now called Fast forward by Elisa Bevere, uh, and I just think it's awesome. I haven't read it yet, and I'm going to, but I'm taking her word for it because she knows the knowledge of God, and I'm just excited about that, and so she's excited for what's to come now, and so church, I'm going to encourage you. Jesus told us to practice it. If you didn't know that, he told us to practice it. We talked about God being a demonstrating God. Jesus demonstrated it and lived it out for us, and he raised these standards for us to walk in with him. And the whole purpose of fasting, if I could just recap really quick, the whole purpose of fasting is not to see how long I can hang in this diet, to not, not see what I can do in this thing. No, it's to make a, have a change in my heart and to pursue and get ready to receive God's answers in my life. I'm going to emphasize that again. To receive and get our hearts ready for God's answers in our lives. Not what we want and not what we're believing for in a sense of my way, but in, in a sense of, God, I'm believing for what you're going to do in my life. And when we do that, when we get our hearts ready, let me tell you something. It inclines us. It inclines us not just in our hearts, but in our attitudes, in our ears, in our listening, and how we see things, and how we speak out things. It inclines us to God. And what's happening is we're more in tune with him. You know, I know this is a little old school, but I remember being a kid and with my parents in the car, and, and they had the uh, radio station, but it was the, 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 the knob. You know what I'm talking about? No? You guys want to make, yeah, okay. <laughs> you guys here? <laughs> Just making sure. Or is it that, that long ago? <laughs> you know, and, and you, you would try to adjust, and you would hear a station, but every so often another station would kind of get in and get out. You guys know what I'm talking about? Get in and you get out. And it's on your, it always happens on your favorite song. Like, it always, it never fails. It happens on your favorite song. 
you know. And then digital came, and then what, now what we have today is obviously technology is so advanced, and you know, we don't have that issue no more, right? In a sense, in a sense, when we fast, it's like every so often when, when, when we're walking this journey with, with I call life on earth, we tend to kind of mm, miss it here and there. But there's something about fasting that gets us so in tune that nothing really distracts the frequency between you and God, between me and God. Because we're so advanced in technology, spiritually speaking, with our communication with him because of what we're doing. Again, it's not about the diet. It's not about what, you know, the food itself. It's about taking the natural, putting it to the side for a second, what I crave, and saying, God, my hunger is going to be bigger for you. And I want you. And so the next 21 days, starting tomorrow, the next 21 days, on your personal time with you and God, and obviously use wisdom behind it. If there's health issues, get your doctors involved. Okay, I'm not going to say throw that out the window. No, get your doctors involved. Okay? And ask questions and follow through. But at the end of the day, it's never been about the diet itself. It's been about your relationship and taking the time to pray and to encounter and to get with God. So again, starting tomorrow for the next 21 days, we'll, we'll just continue to seek God. Give him our first, our best of 2019 because greater days are ahead of all of us. Greater days are ahead of all of us. And let me remind you, on Wednesday, this hasn't really stopped. This is not just because of the 21 days of prayer and fasting. Every Wednesday at 7 p.m., we gather in this room, uh, depending on the crowd here or the girls' track room. But we gather at the church, and we pray. We pray, we pray, we pray. Now, you know the connection cards that we've had? And, the, and the, you know, when we fill a, a prayer, we have a prayer request. We have a team that prays for you by name. And they're declaring what you're believing for. And so I'm going to encourage you guys, come out Wednesday nights at 7 p.m. Come pray with us. There's just something about corporate prayer that we gather together and we can press in to the presence of God. So let me say this one more time and we're all going to get excited. Are you all ready for 21 days of prayer and fasting? Yeah. <laughs> all right. The bigger question, will you participate? <laughs> ah. <laughs> I'm just joking. <laughs> Amen. Hey, let's pray. Father, thank you so much for today. Lord, today's the day you made. We will rejoice. We will be glad in it, Father. Lord, I thank you for the excitement that we can have for your word, for the life you've given us, Father. Lord, I know we face many obstacles in life, many problems, many issues, and I'm not going to neglect that or say that's not there, Father. It's real life. It's there. But, Father, you're more real than that, and you're here as well, too, Father. So, Lord, when I go into this word, Father, this is not about me, what I think. It's about you and what you want to say, Father. It's what you want to minister to us. It's what you want to feed us, Lord. Father, I know how personal you are. Lord, you're so personal, Father. The word says that you know every strand of hair on our head by number. You're so personal, the Bible says, Father, you've knitted us in our mother's womb. So, Father, today as we get ready for your word, we open our hearts we open our minds, Father God, and we say, continue to do your work in us. Thank you as we continue to be receptive to your word. In Jesus' name we pray, and we all shout out, amen. amen. So I'm excited. We just got done wrapping up the Power of God series. It was a five-part series, um, and, and it's, I think it was just very um, beneficial, at least for my life as well, too. But I've also been having conversations with some of you guys, and you were explaining to me how it, I needed to hear that is what I kept hearing. I need, how did you know? Number one, I didn't know. God knows. You know, I really just want to be submissive to what God wants to say. And I'm believing, my prayer, my wife's prayer is that when I'm speaking, it's like you think I'm reading your mail. 
but I really am not. It's God being that in tune with me. I'm just going to be an open vessel to him. And so I'm going to continue that as we get ready for this series. It's a three-part series, and it's called Seek First. Everyone look at your neighbor and say, Seek First. You know, I think it's perfect because we're going into our 21 days of prayer and fasting. And what am I encouraging you guys to do? Seek God, right? Seek God first, you know? I mean, when you look, look at scriptures in Matthew 6, Jesus even teaches on seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Then all things will be added to you, is what he says. You know, Jesus was always about first seeking the kingdom of God first, you know, and he's made it available for us to do so. It's not like it's a, like a hide-and-seek game. It's like it's been revealed to us. The answer's there. It's just we have to now make the decision of saying, okay, I'm going to seek first the kingdom of God. And so as we're getting ready for this 21 days of prayer and fasting, I'm like, you know what? Let's get into the next three weeks, and let's see what it looks like to seek first our Heavenly Father. Let's see what it looks like in our lives. And so when you actually think about, when you think about seeking first God's kingdom, where does it start is my question. Where does it start? That's the first time I'm going to ask you guys. Give me some feedback. Where does it start? Just shout it out. All right, all right, okay, I'll shout it out. <laughs> it starts with, I'm not going to tell you yet, so you're going to wait for a second. I'm going to build up the anticipation. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> no, it, it, it starts with your heart. Who had the answer right and just didn't want to say it? All right. <laughs> Jesus. So here's the thing. It starts with our heart. So when we seek first, we need to learn. And get to work on, and I'm going to say that with confidence, get to work on preparing our hearts. We need to prepare our hearts. You know, when Jesus walked this earth, it was always about the heart. He always talked about the heart. I mean, whether it was the religious leaders of the law, the Pharisees was what they called them, coming against them, he addressed their hearts. Or whether it was a sinner that felt unworthy, he addressed their hearts. Because he understood that when you start to seek the kingdom of God, it always begins with our heart. Personally, when I, uh, you know, when I look at my life and say, you know, I feel maybe something went wrong and I want to play the blame game on somebody every single time and it never fails, I always say, you know what, this might be a heart issue on me. And I turn this to this. You know, I believe Adam would have saved himself a lot of trouble if he didn't play the blame game. Well, God, you sent her in my life. That's why she ate the apple. I think he would have saved a lot of trouble if he would have said, you know what, let me check my heart real quick. Yeah, I kind of didn't lead her the right way, and I should have, you know, resisted that, that serpent. I believe he would have saved himself and us a lot of trouble <laughs> if he would have just simply started with the heart. Am I going somewhere with this? You know, personally, like I said, it, it, it comes here. And if you can practice and discipline, let me tell you something, it is not easy. It is not easy. But it is possible, okay, where you can start turning this to this, things go smoother for you. And when you do this, you're starting to seek God first. Because you're realizing, man, you know what, every choice, every feeling that I have, it starts with me. You can't make me mad. I chose to be mad because of a circumstance. You can't make, when someone says, well, they made me mad. <laughs> no, they didn't. They did wrong. You decided to feel that way because you have lack of self-control and you want to blame somebody now. Am I stepping on toes? <laughs> this is not on my notes, guys. I don't even think I'm going to go there right now. When we seek God first, when we seek God first, things start happening 
in your favor. You know, when you think about doctor's reports, we might get a bad doctor's report, or we weren't expecting it. Okay, we weren't expecting this report. But when we choose to seek God first, there's a new report he's given you in his word. And he says, hey, I have given healing if you abide and pursue and seek me first. Going back to Matthew 6.33, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. Then all things will be added to you. But so many times we want the all things be added to me. So I could feel good, but I haven't really sought him out. And then we question, well, why aren't these things happening in my behalf? Where are you, God? The question is, are you seeking God first? Are you doing this right now? That's where God really wants us to be at. And when we get to that place, church, when we get to that place, circumstances and issues won't hinder you. It won't. It won't affect you. Yeah, you'll feel it, but you'll have every self-control through the Holy Spirit to just resist it. And not let it change your character or your attitude towards a person or a thing or an issue. Because you're learning to seek God first. Let's go to Proverbs chapter 23, verse 19. We'll start it there. And in Proverbs, which by the way is a great book of the Bible, one of the things I love doing, I practice this, and I'm going to encourage everyone to do this. There is 31 books in the, in the, there are 31 chapters in the book of Proverbs. Roughly there are 31 days in a month. And so what I like to do is I like to match the day. So today's the 6th, well, I read Proverbs 6. If it's the 22nd, I read Proverbs 22. You know, and you just continue that cycle. And every month that goes by, this is what you do. You, you, you change the translation and ask the Holy Spirit, okay, show me something. Show me something new. And let me tell you something. I've been doing this for about maybe four or five years now, and I always read something brand new. Always. It never fails because God word is, God's word is eternal. So we're going to Proverbs chapter 23, verse 19, and it says this. Hear, my son, and be wise. Look at your neighbor and say, hear. Hear, my son, and be wise, and guide your heart in the way. Guide your heart in his way is what I would love to say. You know, in other words, what you have to understand is that you and I are responsible for the condition of our hearts. We have every responsibility we have to take full responsibility of how we treat and take care of our heart and i'm not talking about the natural side of the things i'm talking about the supernatural the spiritual side of things what are we feeding ourselves in our hearts because let me tell you something when we feed ourselves his word his goodness his faithfulness the only thing's going to come out of you and be produced out of you is him but when we don't when we get feed ourselves things that are not him in our lives, or maybe God tells us not to go through, then we produce those bad fruits. You know, Jesus said in Matthew 12, 33, he says, a tree is identified by its fruits. If a tree is good, its fruits will be good. If a tree is bad, its fruit will be bad. How many of y'all know he's not talking about a tree? Jesus always spoke in parables, but when he's not, when he's saying the tree, he's really talking about the heart. Again, Jesus addressed the heart. And so when he says, look, if, if it's good in your heart, then, it's gonna, then good fruit's going to come out here. But if you continue to put bad things in your heart, then bad fruit is going to come out. You know, we've heard this before, and I don't want to butcher it, and I want you guys to hear me really closely, okay? We tend to hear sometimes, well, you know, they, they're making a lot of bad, bad decisions and choices in life, but they got a good heart. Have you heard that before? 
They're making a lot of bad, everything they're doing, bad, 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 bad. Counter, counter, God, bad. But they, they got a good heart. And let me tell you something. I'm going to say this with truthfulness. That is not biblical. It's just not biblical. Because God's telling us we are responsible for how we have our conditions of our hearts. Now, does that mean we go to town and chop that tree down? No. We start coming and we start nurturing and being influenced in those people's lives. Because let me tell you something. They're worth it too. Jesus died on the cross for them too. Again, good heart, good fruit. Bad heart, bad fruit. You know, uh, the Bible uses a, a, a parable, but I'm just going to kind of illustrate it to you guys. A heart is really no difference from a field in the ground. really isn't. I mean, the way our hearts are is just like, uh, you know, soil on ground. And there were many years where I had hard soil in my heart, but I had a friend that knew the word and was, uh, you know, feared God so much that he went to work and tilled the ground. Jesus even used the parable of the farmer and the sower and compared the seed to the word and the ground to our hearts. And when he compared those things, he talked about us being good soil. And so the question is, okay, his word, his seed was always the same in that parable, but it was the ground that was different. And what Jesus desires for all of us is when we encounter him and let him work in us, the ground in our hearts becomes soft. So when the word of God or when we read or when we pray or when we, when we just do life, his seed will take root in our hearts and we will grow a harvest. Again, our hearts are like a field. We need to do everything we can to treat it well. Last uh, spring, again, we have a flower bed up front of our house. Last spring, we've chosen not to do anything to it. Nothing. I think, what, what did we do? Nothing? Nothing. We did nothing to that. So if you pass by my house and you look at the front, just close your eyes, okay? Just <laughs> don't look at it anymore. We just chose not to do it. I mean, in the past, my wife and I, now let me rewind it a little bit more. Maybe it was two years ago, possibly three years ago. There was one spring where my wife just got motivated. It's spring, okay? And she put on the, you know, the dirty jeans, the, the, the shoes, the shirt, the bandana, like had everything. She had the spade, a shovel, and she said, see you later. You know, and she went outside. And I remember, like, what are you doing? And, I, and she just started digging and digging and digging into the ground in our flower bed up front. And she dug probably about a good maybe half a foot, I would say maybe possibly a foot deep. And she took every weed out, whether it was this little or this big. She took every weed out and, and broke and tilled that ground, the entire flower bed. Not only that, she turned the soil, she made the soil soft, she did everything she could do with it. Then she asked me, hey, go to the store, go buy some stuff to, you know, what is it called, fertilize or make the soil a lot more healthier. So I did. Then we put preen. Do you guys know what preen is? It kind of protects from weeds growing and going beyond that. We put preen all over the entire thing. Not only that, I bought mulch and I mulched the entire thing. Not only that, we planted flowers. And that was a great, great summer. Seriously, it was a great, great summer. I don't even think, we probably pulled one or two weeds here and there, but they were very easy to pull out because the ground was soft. And it looked beautiful, it felt good, but it was a lot of work. It took a lot of work to make sure we got in there. But last spring, like I said, we did none of that. 
We did none of that, okay? And because we didn't do any of that, the ground is hard. The weeds are everywhere. It's not grass, it's weeds. Actually, it got so bad when I was cutting the grass, I decided to cut the weeds at the same time. <laughs> Take the lawnmower, go a little over it, just a little bit. You know, like, okay, no one saw that, all right. <laughs> Kick some dirt over it, just to make it look a little pleasant. But because we didn't take care of it, it's not in a good condition. The ground is super, 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 super hard. And it's, and it's kind of like, okay, well, ah, you kind of get stuck there or whatever. And, and it, what I'm saying is this. It, our hearts are the same way. And we have to understand that we have to do work in our hearts. God gave us the responsibility. Hey, make sure you check this thing all the time. Okay? You're not always right is what God is saying. Jesse, you're not always right. Make sure it lines up with the word. And let me tell you something. If you're a believer and you miss it, our number one thing we should be doing is running to God in repentance. And saying, God, I'm sorry. That's going to help soften your, the ground of your heart. But when we sin and we decide to hide and not go near it, it only makes our hearts harder. I'll say that again. When we decide to sit in sin, when we decide not to go to God, it makes our hearts harder. And let me tell you something. It's not easy to get out of that. When you let it procrastinate, when you procrastinate and let and just decide to stand there and sit there. So what we need to do is run to God. And when we run to God and we repent, we ask for forgiveness. He is good, the Bible says. He is good to wash and forgive us. Of all of our sin when we do so. And so we have to continue to do that. Second Chronicles, 2 Chronicles 12, 14 says this. And he did evil because he did not prepare his heart to seek the Lord. Other places in the Bible will talk about how people prepared their hearts. And it, that their hearts were good. And this indicates right here. Because he didn't prepare his heart to seek the Lord. He did evil. And I brought that scripture out because I want you to understand it really matters what we do and how we do things. So the question is, what do we have to do to prepare our hearts? I'll ask that again. What do we have to do to prepare our hearts? Well, Proverbs chapter 4 verse 23 says this. Above all else, above everything else, guard your heart. Guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. In other words, where your heart is determines what you do. I think most of us know that, that it starts with a thought. A thought turns into an action. An action turns into a habit. Habit forms our destiny. It really does. It's the pattern that follows. So when we put the word of God, when we meditate on his word, which, by the way, is reading what's on the pages, letting it come here, seeking it into here. When we put that in here, the process of our actions start changing God's way. Our habits change God's way. Our destiny is God-given because we've learned to put it in here and let it sink in here. And I simply want to give you five ways to help you prepare to seek God, especially a season like right now. Number one, who's, who's believing right now for God to do something 2019? Who's already declaring that, you know what, this is my year, this is what God's going to do, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to continue to do it. Let me help you then. Let me give you five ways. Actually, no, let me give you six ways, 
okay? Let me give you six ways that can help you seek God and prepare your heart for what God's going to do. Some of it's going to be very like, I already know this, but I think we need reminders, okay? And number one, are you ready? Number one is this, take time to pray every single day. Take time, you guys are ready for something huge and big, and like, I'm ready for this revelation. Here we go. Take time to pray every single day. You know, when you pray, it really just turns your heart. It turns your heart to God. I talked a little bit about it earlier. It, it makes you in tuned. With, when you pray, it turns your heart to the one you pray for. It turns your heart to, for the one you pray with. And the one you pray to. When you pray every single day, it ultimately makes your heart turn to God. And that's what we're desiring. That's what we're wanting. You know, in Mark 1.35, it says, Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. You know, Jesus tells us also in his word to go into our secret place and pray. And I love the promise behind it because God says, what you do in secret with me, I will reward you openly in other, with others. And I believe he does that not to brag. He does that to motivate others. What we do in secret with God, he will reward us openly to all public. And I believe it because when we, they see good fruit coming in, they're going to desire and want it. What do we do? Opportunity to now lead them to Christ. Opportunity to now walk life with them. God wants to multiply that. Jesus exercised it as well, too. He found a solitary place just to pray one-on-one with, -on -one with his heavenly Father. And if you read the New Testament, he did that a lot. He was on a boat, he did it. He was in a mountain, he did it. He was in a garden, he did it. He found solitary places, he did it. He even walked on the water in the storm. I'm pretty sure he was praying to God, talking, hey, yeah, I know I see all this stuff going around me. But I'm going to continue to pray to you. Let me remind you, when you pray, your heart turns to the one you pray for, the one you pray with, and the one you pray to. Number two is this. Be a doer of the word. Okay? Be a doer. Because James 1.22 says this. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it is says. And some of y'all might be saying, I already know this. But let me tell you something. Just because you know doesn't mean you're going to make an impact. It's about what you do that's going to make an impact. So you can say, well, I know this stuff already. Awesome. But are you doing it? That's the factor. That's what's going to make the punch in your life, the rubber hit the road for God to continue to manifest through you. And give you the words to speak maybe to others. When we consistently do the word, again, it turns our heart to God. So not only do we pray to him and we read his word, but we do what his word tells us to do. And when we do that, God shows up faithfully every single time. Guaranteed. You know, and then number three, it says, it's, it's for us to continue to prepare our hearts, is we need to confess and turn from sin. I talked a little bit about it earlier in the message, about what sin does. But then I visualized it the other day, and I realized, oh my goodness, I can see now how it is a true trap. It really is. 
You know, Proverbs chapter 28, verse 13 says, you can't whitewash your sins and get by with it. You find mercy by admitting and leaving them. Other translations say You'll, you will prosper by admitting and confessing them. You know, I, I, I talked about how sin really can entangle us and hold us down. But when I was reading more and more about this, and when I realized, okay, when we start stuck in sin and it, our hearts get harder and harder, not only that, it creates these cords in our lives. Now, if you can envisionize this, think about these, these cords that we're in. Now, we, we fall into a sin, we fall into some sin because it's pleasurable for the moment, thinking that, well, I'll repent later and I'll get out of it. But let me tell you something. We, God is merciful and good, but he doesn't fly that way. The reason why is this. When we decide to be in this because of the, the joy of the moment or the pleasure for the season, which, by the way, has a dead end to it, when we decide to do that, we're allowing these cords to be attached to us. So when we decide to walk out and say, well, God's good, oh, we get yanked right back into it because of the cords that were created. The Bible says that we are entangled by it. See, in Proverbs 5.22, it says this, that the evil deeds of the wicked ensnare them. The cords, the cords, everyone say the cords. The cords of their sin hold them fast. You know, I know I'm talking about the goodness of God and how to prepare our hearts, but let's talk a little bit about what can really hinder and hurt the heart. And it is sin. It is sin. And I want to let you know, it is not too late. If you're in that right now, it is not too late to get out of that tangled cords and to allow a church to pray for you and walk with you, but ultimately let a God, a Father in heaven, forgive you of all and wash it away to give you a brand new day. If you're declaring 2019 is my year, then let God be a part of it. Don't do it alone because it will be hard. And it won't go the way you want it to go. But when you let God be a part of your 2019 and forevermore, watch these cords one at a time. Snap, 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 snap. Come off of you. And you're entangled no more. Number four. Everyone's still here? Awesome. Cool. Number four. I hope I finished on time. <laughs> is this. Obey the Holy Spirit. Obey the the Holy Spirit. You know, when, again, when, when we allow the Holy Spirit to work within us and to speak to us, it is our choice to obey it. Obviously, disobedience hard, hardens the heart is what we talked about. But obeying the Holy Spirit softens the heart. You know, it, it really softens it. There are times in my personal life where I felt like I needed to go this way, but I heard God tell me, no, you got to go this way. I need you to do it this way. And it didn't make sense at all. Why do I have to go this route than this route? Because he wanted me to, he has a better path for me. If I can kind of narrow it down a little bit more. When I had to make the decision, I talked about it last week. When I had to make the decision to move from Holland to Tulsa, a lot of you guys don't know there was another road that I was planning to take at that exact same moment. And I was planning to go to the United States Air Force. I was trained, I was ready, I was a recruiter. There was, there was verbal agreements already. So I had this path I wanted to go with that could brighten up my future and bring me success in my future. But the voice of God was telling me, go this route, I need to go to Tulsa. And it, this was more of a leap of faith than this because in the natural it was all set up and good for me. But in, in the natural I didn't see anything here. And when the Spirit of God told me I needed to go this route, I decided to let this go. 
And it is the best decision I've ever made. I met you guys. It's so awesome. You know, it's, it's one of those things where when we allow the Spirit of God to speak, we have to obey it. God does the rest in us. Obey the Holy Spirit. When we do that, we become tender towards God and the Spirit of God. We become tender towards the things of God. We become tender towards the Word of God because of the Holy Spirit and His voice. You know, through the Word, it tells us that He's a whisper. He's not a booming, loud, thunderous. He, he's almighty. But when he comes to us, his children, he's personal, and he whispers. And I believe the reason why he whispers is because he is that close to you. When he whispers, when you whisper to someone, you're that close to them. But again, the distractions of life can really drown that out. So what I'm going to encourage you guys, church, is to do, including myself, is obey the voice of the Holy Spirit. Number five, that would help you prepare your heart is this, keep right company. Keep right company. Hear those words clearly because that can really be mis, uh, misdefined. Okay, keep right company. I'm not saying neglect, reject. I'm not saying that. You have to keep right company because you need to be an influence to others. You see, how you can measure that is if you, if you see that you're being an influence by them to be more like the world, you're not keeping right company. But if you can be influenced to them for the, key, the kingdom of God, you have right company around you. Because a person can't do that alone. They have to have the right people, the right heart, someone that's going to slap them when they say, not for real though, okay? Like, 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 like spiritually, I shouldn't have done that, okay? <laughs> what Jesse said, no, I'm saying. <laughs> spiritually speaking, you know what I'm saying? It's just, it, it, when, when you're wrong, you're wrong. It's, and a friend will tell you that. That's God-fearing. Hey, you're wrong on what you're doing. You're wrong on what you're doing. You're wrong on what you're doing because this is what God is saying. But let me show you what the Bible tells us. Let me pray with you. When you have a friend that can do that, you're in good company. You're in good company. And so for us to continue to prepare our heart to seek God first is to keep right company. Don't let the influences of the world pull you back. Be the influence to the world to pull them into the kingdom of God. And when you do so, we advance, we grow. 1 Corinthians 15.33 says this. Do not be deceived, Paul says. Evil company corrupts good habits. I'm going to say that one more time. I want the younger generation to hear this too, okay? Do not be deceived. Don't be lied to. Because when you hear this stuff, it could be a lie what the word is saying, okay? Evil company. Evil company corrupts good habits. That's what the Bible says. That's what Paul teaches us. That's what God shows us. So for us to say, well, we can do this and hang with them, yet we're being ensnared by what they're being ensnared with, we're not in good company. And I say that because I've been in that place too many times. I wanted to do good. I wanted to be good. But because of the bad company I had around me, I could never grow. And it was until that was cut and I went to God. And not only that, do you think, oh, you were alone. No, God put good company around me. I started meeting people, crossing people to the point where it built me up. And today, that evil company then, I can encounter now because they're not an influence on my life anymore. And I'm going to influence them and I've gotten a couple of them, a handful of them, out to come check out God. 
Some of you guys know me from when I was a teenager. I know a lot of people. I grew up in Holland, Michigan. You knew my speech. You knew how I talked. You knew who I hung out with. And I'm looking around, and I, I know there's a lot of people that know that. I'm a witness to what God did because I cut good company, a bad company out of my life. And he put good company. It wasn't the best influence. I was a good kid in front of my mom. <laughs> But my mom wasn't looking. I'm sorry, mom, forgive me. This is the first time I'm confessing it to her. She knew it. But my mom wasn't looking. I made some dumb, dumb choices. Man. Forgive me, mom. Yes. But a lot of people here in this room, I'm saying alone, remembers me back in high school and middle school. It wasn't the best influence. And let me remind you guys something. God got a hold of me. I followed this thing. I started preparing my heart. And this is the product of what he's doing. And he's still working, by the way. He's still working. Nothing's impossible for God. I don't care where you came from, what you did. Prepare your heart. Follow this his way. Watch you prosper in life. Watch you go places in life. When you said, I can't do this, God say, oh, yes, you can. Watch my power work through you. Keep right company. I think uh, if you look in the Bible, the perfect illustration is Samson. You know, Samson was one of the most mightiest, strongest physically, strongest man that God has ever created. But because he had no friends, he had no company around him. Actually, the Bible says his dad went to go look for some friends for him because he was making bad choices. That's just how desperate his dad was for him. Like, come on, Samson, get it. You have the, the muscles. You, have, you can do so much in this earth. But because he didn't have good company in his life, he made bad decisions, bad choices. Ultimately, it took him down, destroyed him because of not having good company. Keep good company. Everyone say it with me. Keep good company. And be an influence to those that need it, okay? And the last one is this, and I'll, I'll close it with this, uh, uh, this one right here. Be a part of a life-giving church. Now, obviously, this is your home, Resurrection Life Church. If this is your home, I know and I trust that you can testify this is a life-giving church. I know it because of not what Jesse can perform or do, because of what the Spirit is doing through me and through Madi and through you guys. The number one thing I hear in here is this. When they first time first timers come, they'll say, Man, the moment I walk in, it's so welcoming. It feels like a family. That has never failed. That has never failed. Because we understand it is the power of the Holy Spirit that's gonna make that happen through his church. Maybe you're checking churches out and you're here, you're just checking out. Let me encourage you, go find a life-giving church then. Go find one. Don't just disconnect. Plug in. Because when you plug in the lamp, it lights up. When it's not plugged in, you can't, you can turn it all you want. It's not going to turn on. Plug in to a life-giving church. We believe here. We exist because we believe. That God has called us to bridge gaps between people in Christ. We believe here in the power of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We believe here that every person on earth has hope. And man, all mankind has an opportunity to come to Christ. We believe here 
that this is your time today to say yes to Jesus Christ and be eternally bound to him. We believe in Resurrection Life Church here that we will make an impact in the city of Holland and beyond. Plug into a life-giving church. Did you know Jesus is about the church? Did you know that? So for someone to contemplate whether, you know, I, I believe in God, but don't believe in, G, or don't believe in the church, or the church has done this, and I'm not too sure about the church, let me, let me give a refresher, okay? Jesus, he's about the church. The Bible tells us that Jesus is the head of the church, that Jesus is building the church, that Jesus loved the church, that Jesus died for the church, that Jesus is coming back for the church, that Jesus is manifesting himself through the church. I think Jesus is about the church. I think Jesus is about the church. What we need to do is be in church and be the church more and more every single day. Because it is through the church, it is through the body, us, that we're going to be able to do the works on earth. God needs you. God needs me to continue the work of God. Think about it. The moment you said yes to Jesus, the moment you said, I want Jesus in my life, and I, I, I'm praying right now, Lord, forgive me. Come into my heart. Fill my life. Be my friend forever. Forgive me of all my sins. And by faith, I, forgive, I receive your forgiveness. When we declare that, the Bible tells us you have been baptized into the church, into the body of Christ, and now you're a child of God. The church is God's mission and his heart and if you plug in and get others plugged in you're preparing your heart to seek him first you're preparing your heart to seek him first did those six things help you out are you ready for 21 days of prayer and fasting let me be honest with you guys will it be easy probably not will it be rewarding oh yeah oh yes don't be hung up on the, the, the hiccups or I missed it a little bit here. Be purposeful about seeking him first. Let's go ahead and close our eyes and bow our heads. Just a little bit I talked to you guys about uh, what God wants in our hearts. And, and again, it always starts with our heart. But here's an opportunity for you. Maybe you've never accepted Christ as a Lord and Savior. Or maybe you have, but haven't really lived for him. Not really preparing your heart. Well, today's the day he wants you to come to him. And I simply want to lead that to you. Help you get, get to that point. If you want Christ as your Lord and Savior, and you believe my journey starts now, and I need him, whether it's the first time or I'm coming back, on the count of three with all eyes closed, I want you to shoot your hand up. With boldness, I simply want to just lead you in a prayer. One, I want Jesus. Two, I need Jesus. Three, shoot your hand up right now. God bless you. Awesome. God bless you. You guys can put your hands down. You recognize I need a Savior. Awesome. Well, church, we have a couple people that raised their hand, which is the best decision you're going to make in your life. And we're going to do this as a church family. Let's all put one hand over our heart. And let's say this with them. Say, Heavenly Father, thank you for your son, Jesus. I believe in you, Lord. I believe in your power, and I believe in eternal salvation. So, Lord, forgive me for all the sin, for every cord that's holding me down, 
I break in Jesus' name. Plug me into you, to your church, to your mission, and into your purpose. Lord, I love you. In Jesus' name we pray. And we all shout out by saying amen and amen. Go ahead and give it up for those guys that made a decision. If I can just talk to you guys for a second that raised their hands, let me tell you something. We have a gift.